Over these last two weeks, we've been looking at the heart. It's the month of February, Valentine's Day. It's the month of February, heart awareness uh, month for, for many in the medical field and for, for those who are dealing with and have dealt with heart issues. We talked about week one, um, sort of a, a test, if you will. It's something that Nancy Beach has provided and, and, and we kind of stumbled upon, and it's this notion of, of doing an inventory and looking at having an honest assessment about how is my heart. And the, there were five different categories that we looked at, and we kind of rated ourselves from one to five, five being the highest, one being the lowest. A checkup. How's my heart? And the five different categories were, first of all, were emotions. In other words, do I feel and does my heart experience the full spectrum of emotion from tears to laughter? And we jokingly said, but seriously said, that, you know, the really healthy person can laugh and cry at the same time. The second one was, was moments, and that means being present, not living in those two places that I tend to live, the past or the future. But can I be engaged and live in the moment, in the present? The third one was fun. We like that one. Mm. Some of us like that one. Some of us still struggle with being way too serious. That's okay. So how's your heart? Does it like to laugh? Does it like to have fun? Fourth was people. And it's our ability to experience people's grief and joy, to share in, 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 in their problems, to enter into life with them. How do we see people? It's an indicator of how our heart is doing. And fifth and last was whispers, or in other words, that still small voice of God. Can we, can we hear the voice of God? A healthy heart hears from the Lord. The second week, last week, we looked at this notion of developing a heart for God. And we looked at David, a man after God's own heart. And can we develop a heart for God? First of all, we had to look at what destroys a heart for God. And there were five of those. And, and, and they, they all begin with S, which I think is alliteration. Is that right, Shannon? There we go. Boom. Success, selfishness. Sloth, sin, and stress. They all destroy a heart for God. And obviously Jesus is always the answer and he's the antidote. But, but what develops a heart for God in one-for-one one correlation, humility in spite of success. You see, that defeats that success destructive area in our lives. Being mindful of the shepherd. Being mindful of Jesus defeats selfishness. Being available for service defeats slothfulness. Repenting of sins, of course, defeats sin. And trusting in Jesus, the Savior, defeats stress. It's interesting, as PW and I have been talking over these last several days and weeks, we talked about you know, how can we very concretely pray for you? How can we pray for you and Amanda? And it was an interesting thing that we talked about. He, he said, I'm, I want to pray that I would trust the Lord. 
and I think I had thrown out the word clarity. He said, I, you know, I don't know. If, if, if there's really clarity and if I can really see all the way down the line, what does that do to me? Because I really have no control. But trust. See, trust fights against stress. Trust le- lets us lean into Jesus and lean into the Savior no matter where the road turns. Profound. So that's where we've been the last two weeks. Today, we want to continue looking at the heart. We're going to continue to look at this muscle, this organ, this place, this indwelling of the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at some things that I feel are a matter of the heart. Proverbs 4, 23, after all, says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Let me pray. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be holy, pleasing, and acceptable in your sight. Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. The scripture tells us that the heart is the seat of of all actions of life. Everything flows from that place. Joe Stowall in Fan the Flame says that the heart is used in Scripture as the most comprehensive term for the authentic person, the authentic self. It's, it's our heart. It's, it is the part of our being where we desire, deliberate, and decide. It has been described as the place of conscious and decisive spiritual activity, the comprehensive term for a person as a whole, her feelings, desires, passions, thought, understanding, and will, and the center of the person, the place to which God turns, the heart. This morning we continue to to examine our heart, and, and, and we consider that, and I want us to consider today that as a matter of the heart, Salvation, sanctification, and service are all matters of the heart. Salvation, sanctification, and service. Number one, salvation is a matter of the heart. The heart of a man is the source of man's lostness, after all. Jeremiah 17, 9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Proverbs 23, 7 says, For as he thinks in his heart, so he is. Eat and drink, he says to you, but his heart is not with you. Psalm 51, 10 says, Create a clean heart, O God, and renew that steadfast spirit within me. Scientists have discovered that every snowflake, this is fascinating, every snowflake has a tiny piece of dust at its core. Let me say this again. Every snowflake 
everyone, at its core has this tiny little piece of dust, these beautiful white snowflakes that create these Norman Rockwell moments for us that make us just want to cuddle up and have some hot cocoa, bake something, have a fire, or cuss and disgust, scraping and shoveling. Make you either lose your religion or find it, you know, those kinds of things. At the heart, or excuse me, at the core of every snowflake is a, is a piece, a tiny piece of dust. Every snowflake has a, in its center a dirty heart. In its core. The heart of faith. Our faith, rather, is, is at the heart, it, not, not the head. The heart is the vehicle of salvation, not the head. Romans 10, 9 through 10, that if you confess with your mouth as Lord and Jesus, that the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes into righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your heart. Mark 7, 6, he answered and said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites as it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You see, biblical, scriptural Christianity, this faith, this, this life lived in Jesus because of and through the Holy Spirit is far more than head knowledge of Jesus. True Christianity, true belief in Jesus is an unsaved person saved from the source and penalty of sin forever. It happens in a moment. That is called salvation. It is what Jesus did for us all on the cross. And when we accept who we are without him and turn and walk away from, that's called repentance, and, and confess our sin to him, he is sure and right to redeem and save in the blink of an eye, in a moment. But some people don't experience salvation. It's right there, and yet they don't enter in. Why? Well, there's lots of reasons, perhaps, but I, I think that probably the, the most obvious reason, the low-hanging fruit with what we're talking about here, is, is because they don't trust Jesus into their heart. It's, it's a head thing. And as we know, and as we can testify to, the greatest distance we can sometimes span is that few inches between here to here. It has to be a move of the Holy Spirit. They are obviously missing eternity by 18 inches. Or less. So salvation, friends, is an issue of the heart. But sanctification is a matter of the heart as well. Outward separation is not sanctification but contamination. 
Matthew 23, 25 through 28. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you cleanse the outside of the cup and dish, but inside they are full of extortion and self-indulgence. Blind Pharisee, first cleanse the inside of the cup and dish, that the outside of them may be clean also. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. For you are like whitewashed tombs, which indeed appear beautiful outwardly, but inside are full of dead men's bones and all uncleanliness. Even so, you also outwardly appear righteous to men, but inside you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. You see, sanctification, this learning to walk with Jesus, this learning, this working out my salvation with fear and trembling, this thing that happens after that moment that that takes me from now till I'm 95 and beyond. That sanctification is an issue of the heart. There's a story of a man who came down from these mountains, not far from here actually, He's dressed up in his black suit, his flat brim hat, carrying his Bible. A friend sees him and asks, Elias, what's happening? Where are you going all dressed up like that? Elias said, I've I've been hearing about New Orleans. I hear there's a lot of good free running liquor, a lot of gambling. A lot of those bad shows, a lot of ladies. A friend looked him over and said, but Elias, why are you carrying your Bible under your arm? And Elias replied, well, if they're as good as they say it is, I might stay over until Sunday. It's that dust at the core, right? (laughs) Sanctification is an issue of the heart. Isaiah 29, 13. Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts from me, and their fear toward me is taught by the commandment of men. Isaiah made free use of the Christian vocabulary talked about the blessing of the Almighty and, and confessions and pillars. But as we look at Mr. Elias up here, perhaps handing out pious stories, perhaps being a church perhaps a tattered Bible, but yet there's something there that's not quite right. Because you see, true sanctification begins inside out. It's not an outside-in thing. Daniel chapter 1 verse 8, but Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's delicacies, nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he relinquished the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. It's 
it's, it's not about this, this list of, of rights and wrongs. It's, it's this heart issue. 1 Peter 3, 15, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. I think that I grieve the spirit by, by failing to, to recognize that sanctification is this heart issue. That it's from the inside out. The late John McNeil of Australia said that a new heart is not necessarily a clean heart, but many of us have, have been, that many of us have been thinking that it was. David committed a, a great transgression and was pardoned and prayed, create in me a clean heart, O God, and, and renew a right spirit within me. And John says he, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. McNeil uses the illustration of a mother who puts a, a clean dress on her child in the morning and tells her to, to keep it unspotted all day. And when the night come, comes, the child's dress is so soiled that it's hard to tell whether it was white or black or gray or something in between. It's so soiled that we, we can't tell. But the mother cleanses it, washes it. The child had the will to keep it clean, wanted to keep it clean. But the nature of the child is such that the dress is going to get dirty. The same thing takes place every day. But if the mother could, could only impart some of her own spirit to that child, so that the child would not only have the will, but actually have the ability to keep it clean. Well, according to John McNeil, that's exactly what God wishes to do for us and will do. It's the secret to victory over sin. It's the indwelling of the Holy Spirit who enables us to do what we cannot. We want to do it, but we can't. So yes, sanctification is an issue of the heart. And thirdly and lastly, that service is a matter of the heart. It's not the, the what, but the, but the why in service. Matthew chapter 23, the first part of verse 5, but all their works they do to be seen by men. Mm. How many times do I do that? How many times is there posturing and propping up? Matthew 6, 5. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogue and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. I heard this story, read the story actually of this man who, who had a mouse in his house and his, his wife wanted him to catch it. His problem was that he didn't have any cheese. So he cut a picture of cheese out of a magazine and placed it in the trap. He thought, I'll just fool the mouse. When he went to check the trap the next morning to see if he'd caught the mouse, he found a beautiful mouse in the trap. There was only one problem. It was a picture of a mouse. 
You see, counterfeit people use, who use counterfeit tactics will always produce counterfeit results. And how many times am I guilty of instead of placing the piece of cheese, I, I cut out something that looks like a piece of cheese? Service is it's the, it's an issue of the heart. It's the why, not the what. Why am I doing it? Serving from the heart is the only service that God recognizes. It's interesting. It's not how well it's done. I get lost in those weeds all the time. It's not how, how crafty and creative it is. There's no mention of volume. There's no metric of, of, of spreadsheets and charts and pie graphs, all of which I absolutely love. No, serving from the heart is the only service that God recognizes. Colossians 3.23, and whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Hudson Taylor, great missionary to China, believed that, that believers should do, all, should do all things wholeheartedly, not, not just those actions that can be seen. He reasoned, as our, fathers, as our father makes many a flower to bloom unseen in the lonely desert, let us do all that we can do as under his eye, though no other eye ever take note of it. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God and to walk in all his ways and to love him and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul? Several years ago, Richard Foster has this book called, wrote this book called Celebration of Discipline. And in it, there's, he put together this brief comparison of the characteristics of service that are focused more upon ourselves against service that is focused more on Jesus. And, and in a very paraphrased form, um, if you would allow me, uh, it, it becomes this test worth kind of taking note of. So here, so here it is. So, so why not measure our clarity of vision against his conclusions? Self-focused service is concerned with impressive gains. It enjoys serving when the service is titanic or some massive growing in direction. Christ-focused service doesn't distinguish between small and large. There is nothing small done unto the Lord. It indiscriminately welcomes all opportunities to serve. Secondly, self-focused service requires an external reward. Appreciation, applause, plaques. Christ-focused service rests content in hiddenness. The divine nod of approval is sufficient. Self-focused service is highly concerned about results. It becomes disillusioned when results fall below expectations. Christ-focused service is free of the need to calculate results. 
Christ-focused service delights not in a result, but simply in the service. It's not an ends or a means to an ends. It, it, it is the end itself. Four, self-focused service is, is affected by feelings. Christ-focused service ministers simply and faithfully because there's a need. The service disciplines the feelings. Self-focused service insists on meeting the need. It demands the opportunity to help. Christ-focused service listens with tenderness and patience. It can serve by waiting in silence. Service. An issue of the heart. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 6 says, not with, not with eye service as men pleasers, but as bondservants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. So this month, as we examine our heart and its healthiness, as we look at developing a heart for God, as David was a man after God's own heart, let us also examine our heart and consider to think and pray that salvation, that sanctification and service are all matters and issues of the heart. Reading again from Proverbs chapter 4. The path of the righteous is like the morning sun, shining ever brighter till the full light of day. But the way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Above all else, guard your heart. For everything we do flows from it. Amen.